the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 930 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol, a nationally known gerontologist, executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, and recently named by Next Avenue as one of the 50 influencers on aging across this country. We're proud of that. Well, thank you very much. That's pretty cool. It was a very nice honor. That's neat. Did you get a jacket with that? <laughs> yeah, you get, you get the Ginsu knife. Uh, and two toothbrushes. No, actually, it, it, you, it's very nice write up in Next Avenue. Which, if you don't know Next Avenue, it is an online publication from the Public Broadcasting System on caregiving and aging, and they, just a wealth of information resources. You'll recognize a lot of the stories um, that we do here. And you know, my little piece, and we'll get a chance to talk about it someday. Uh, talking about uh, socialization and how our you know our gerontologist goal and social service agencies goals of keeping people independent in their own homes may actually be creating isolation um, inadvertently and what how we might rethink what we're doing well we're going to talk about caregiving on the military coming up in just a few minutes here on caregiver sos on air and that is an issue that comes up as well military caregiver telehealth initiative from ut health and we've got a couple of very special guests to talk about that and that's such an important topic you know and i'm thrilled that they have come to talk to us about uh military caregiving it's a huge issue uh and one that you know we talk a lot about the people serving overseas and the difficulty for the families uh and those people who become caregivers when somebody comes back from deployed that's been injured you know that's a it's a heavy lift. Now, speaking of heavy lifts, you were recently involved in a, a conference with NIH, National Institutes of Health in Washington, D.C., on the latest on dementia. Well, we were very privileged to be one of the sponsors for the first dementia, dementia research summit uh, in Bethesda, Maryland at the NIH campus. Um, I can tell you I only got lost once walking around their campus And that was actually on the way out instead of the way in. I should have left breadcrumbs or something (laughs) because I ended up in the middle of the buildings. Uh, But it was fascinating because um, researchers from all over the country uh, talking about the latest research, what we've done well in research, what we haven't done well. But for me, the biggest, and I think everybody in the audience, they had broken the work up into committees. And so in addition to the researchers that planned the conference, they had a caregiver committee and there were veteran caregivers included in this, but they also had a committee made up of people with the various dementia illnesses. So over the course of two days, we heard from someone with Alzheimer's. We heard from someone with FTD, frontal frontotemporal, I never say that right, frontotemporal low uh, dementia disorder. And um, we heard from somebody with, uh, what was the third one? Because it was Alzheimer's, FTD, oh, and Lewy bodies, and Lewy bodies dementia eloquent, eloquent people. Uh, The woman with Alzheimer's, I think her takeaway was, she said, don't be afraid to tag us. We love GPS. We loved wearable devices that, she goes, my biggest fear is getting lost and no one being able to find me and I know I can't find my way home. So please feel free to stick something on me. Don't worry about it invading my privacy. I want you to locate me. That's pretty cool. You know, which I thought was a really interesting perspective. Um, The gentleman with Louis Bodies uh, was so eloquent and he was talking about how he was fortunate to have a um, neurologist uh, that worked with him 
that he was he was a professor from Brandeis University. He one of the preeminent French historians in French literature at Brandeis University, and the neurologist always addressed him as doctor, always you know with respect, um, never and never embarrassed him, either just embarrassed him outright or embarrassed him in front of his family. And I at that moment I was like, oh. You know, in working with families and the care recipients, somewhere along the line, I know I must have said something that was very professional, but probably didn't make the person with dementia, you know, that that part of you that recognizes what's going on, you know, feel very good. And I, and I think that that's a real challenge for those of us in the business uh, to, to try to get our language right. Well, you can't undo it, but you can learn from it. Well, and that was it. I think that was a, a very nice aha moment. Um, and then I think the the person with FTD, which, you know, is so devastating. And these are people who, this was a woman who was in her 50s. And so unlike Alzheimer's where people are, are older, here she was, she, you know, one week she was a salesperson making six figures. And a year later, she's jobless and she has used up her savings um, and... You know, but she was involved in so many different things. It was actually pretty amazing. Uh, but just talking about the difficulty of being under Medicare age, not that Medicare pays for much in caregiving uh, and for families, but not even to be able to pay for the medi- for the diagnosis. She couldn't even afford her own diagnosis. And, you know, an FTD diagnosis is very difficult. Yeah, often it's wrong. It, it, it's wrong. And, and why, you know, we, we had someone, we'll have someone again from the FTD Society. Those drugs, if you diagnose it wrong and you give someone with FTD um, drugs for Alzheimer's, it accelerates the disease. Right. And so... Um, I remember we did the show. It was the most depressing, depressing show. show. Yeah, we both looked at each other and went, that was the most depressing show ever. we have ever... Important information. Ever done. Ever done. But, yeah, it really was. Yeah. And, and young people, relatively young, uh, will come down with FTD. Right. And then and, and then they were talking, you know, the people with uh, the FTD Society were talking about how... Um, <laughs> We, we do these, you know, assessments where I'm going to do this assessment. You've been diagnosed with FTD. Let's see how you're doing. And they start asking them the memory questions. And it, there's no memory problems like that with FTD. That's not the part of your brain that gets right. that goes away. <laughs> Memory's just fine. Yeah, but your filter's um, gone. And they were like, uh, have you looked at my diagnosis? And, the, you know, both the family member and the person with the disease were saying it's very frustrating. Wow. Because I remember everything just fine, thank you. Um, and so, why are you asking me these questions that have nothing to do with my condition? Now, she's Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. We come to you every week on 9:30 a.m. The Answer at 6 p.m. Sundays. But podcasts of all of our shows are available as well, and we encourage you to track those down too. You can find them at caregiversos.org, and you can download uh, podcasts and share them for friends and neighbors. And the one we're about to do in terms of the topic for this hour uh, deals with military caregiving and uh, research that's been done at UT Health and a couple of folks who are very, very knowledgeable about uh, the issues involved in military caregiving with the Military Caregiver Telehealth Initiative at UT Health, formerly UT Health Science Center. I know. I'm I'm still adjusting to that. I think it's a great name. Entertainer, Um, formerly known as Prince. (laughs) Yes, but it's, I'm always like, oh, UT, UT Health. But it's short, and I have a pen from UT Health. And cool. It's very nice. See, look, I'm even using it today. Oh, there it is. You, 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 can't see it. you can't see it on the radio, but my pen says UT Health. Except that's the pen I couldn't figure out how to open or close. That's the, that is the, de- that's the dementia test is, <laughs> yeah. is that you go to UT. If you're in San Antonio, drop by UT Health, ask for a pen and see if you can figure out how it works. Yes, it's a trick. <laughs> it is. Now, as you think about latest in uh, research on dementia, uh, what, of course, we're all looking for is hope, promise, cure, and prevention. Well, and, you know, I think that was another moment um, that we had where uh, one of the uh, Alzheimer's groups, the Alzheimer's Vision 2020, where their logo is, you know, it's Cure Alzheimer's by 2020. Uh, And one of the research came Which is like three years away. Yeah, which is three years away. So they're kind of toning that down a little (laughs) bit. But he said, you know, all the researchers are in the room. And he got up and he said, we failed. You know, we've done all this research and... Every day, thousands of people are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And while we're trying to cure Alzheimer's, these people can't wait. They don't have services. They don't necessarily have hope. 
and we have failed them. Wow. And so we have got to work faster because the translation of research, you know, when you think about the cigarette smoking, and we all knew it was bad for your health back in the 60s, uh, and okay, so think if you're old enough, you can think about your life, 60s, 70s, everybody's still pretty much smoking. It wasn't until the 80s, like 20 years uh, before everything that we knew about smoking was actually widely disseminated in the United States. Because the tobacco companies fought it tooth and nail. Well, um, but, you know, we, they, you can look at a lot of research. And, and we, even when it's not being, try, you know, sort of sequestered and squelched by uh, big business, it takes a long time for it to get out of research into physicians' hands, into the wider community. And we really don't have time. We don't have 15 years, 20 years to wait for some of this good thinking. And, you know, the what they're doing is really chopping up. They're, we're looking at different kinds of dementia because a lot of people think everything is Alzheimer's and we're breaking it up into little pieces. So what's Alzheimer's, what's dementia caused by inflammation? What's Alzheimer's or dementia, excuse me, caused by diabetes? What's dementia caused by, and, and break it up into the different aspects so that if we can cure pieces of it or, or delay its onset, um, then we will have done people a very good service by buying them at least more time. As a cancer treatment model. Well, that's it, because, you know, the, the, we've seen this. You and I have seen this model uh, at some of our caregiver summits, which is coming up on November 9th here in San Antonio. Free for caregivers everywhere. Free for caregivers, November 9th, uh, caregiversos.org. Check it out. Look it up. Uh, we've seen the model uh, at, at, in our conferences where if you look at cancer, there's all different kinds of cancers. There's all different kinds of treatments. There's all different kinds of drugs for specific types of cancer. Alzheimer's, there's one block. You have Alzheimer's. Okay, go home and right. go home. You know, it, there's nothing to do. There's no, you know, you're not getting any kind of real help uh, other than maybe some behavioral it's help. Depressing. Well, it, we, we have to do better, Ron. We, and and was, there, was there any optimism at this conference? I think the optimism was acknowledging that we've done so much work without ever talking to the people with the disease and that maybe if we started <laughs> asking them some questions, <laughs> they might be able to inform the research um, and at least we might be able to develop some better um, you know, supports uh, for the people, what and, and there needs to be more research around social supports because we've only dealing pretty much with the disease head on, uh, and not looking at what's working, what's not working in our communities to to support families while wow. they're waiting for the cure. And in a moment, we're going to see how caregiving in the military setting is working. Dr. Don Veligan is going to be with us, the professor of psychiatry and director of the Military Caregiving Telehealth Initiative at UT Health San Antonio, and Roxanne Delgada, Roxana. Uh, who, when she was last year, was an excellent researcher, been promoted now as an assistant professor in the hospital medicine program, also associated with the Military Health Institute at UT Health. That's coming up next on Caregiver SOS On Air. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We are so pleased to be with you here on Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and delighted to welcome to our Caregiver SOS On Air microphones, Don Veligan, who is a professor of psychiatry and director of the Military Caregiving Telehealth Initiative and assistant professor in hospital medicine, Roxana Delgado. Dr. Delgado is at the Military Health Institute at UT Health as well. 
And to both of you, welcome. Thank you for coming in. And when we last met, Roxana, you were winding up an incredible research project on caregiving in the military. Paper's done. It's been accepted. You've been showered with gifts and wealth because of that. I guess not. She's, she's, if you can see her face on the whole, you know, she said she did shower before she, she, she came did. today, but that was So a tell us the outcome. We left folks wondering, how will this all end up? Well, first, thank you so much for having us back here, and um, it's a pleasure to be here. So last time we saw you, we were um, in the middle of data collection for one of the studies among military caregivers, and we're so pleased to say that um, close to 500 military caregivers around the nation took part of the study, and we were able to find different things that were so interesting that we haven't seen out there. So, you know, same as the RAND report um, that was commissioned by the Elizabeth Doe Foundation, we, we found a very high depression rate among caregivers. But then one thing that we measured that was a little bit different is the suicide um, ideation among military caregivers. What did you find? So we found 24% of our sample, um, they answered affirmatively, of, uh, have thought or attempted um, suicide since becoming a caregiver. Now, that seems like a big number. That is actually a big number. The like highest, a huge number. Yes, the highest reported among um, caregivers of people with dementia and, um, and some of their conditions, the highest reported was around 13.8. And their sample size was not as big as ours. But, yes, it's, it's pretty concerning. So do... Do you know why that sample size, why it's so high? So we don't, um, we don't know why, but we have some assumptions. Remember that when you're dealing with the military caregivers, they more likely are taking care of polytrauma. So when we look at these caregivers, they were caring for four and five conditions on average, anywhere from cognitive diseases or conditions, me, uh, behavioral health, physical conditions. So you may have a service member, a veteran, returning from combat, wounded, and having an amputation and also PTSD. And more likely, if it was related to a blast injury, that service member would have a a traumatic brain injury. So that caregiver is already facing um, a lot of hurdles, and and it's a big toll to take care of so many conditions at the same time. So, Don, how do you deal with all this? Well, thank you, uh, Ron and Carol, for for having me today. one of the things that we wanted to do with the Military Caregiver Telehealth Initiative is to be able to provide counseling and psychotherapy for the caregivers. They are doing this country a huge service, taking care of wounded, ill, and injured veterans, and there's not a whole lot of people taking care of them. Uh, many of them, if they're um, the person they're taking care of left the military, they don't even have benefits to get psychotherapy and counseling, and they're dealing with a huge amount of stress. And um, so we designed this program as a counseling program for them, and we can provide them counseling free of charge for um, 12 weeks, and it's all done over the computer. So is this um, a lo- is this a local program? Is it a, there? You, you mentioned you were doing your research all over the country. Um, is telehealth starting to be available to these caregivers all over the country? Right now, because of licensing of the therapists, they have to be licensed in the state where the counseling occurs. So anybody in the state of Texas is eligible for our program. It's a pilot study, so we're looking for fifty caregivers. Um, Mostly post nine eleven, but we'll consider others. Um, and uh, we're providing evidence based psychotherapy to help them deal with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. Many of these people are sandwiched between having children that they're taking care of, as well as a wounded veteran, as well as aging parents. And so they've just got so much on their plate. And their physical and and mental health is suffering because of it. Now, you said you're doing this over a computer. Is this a video link, WebEx, or is it the typing in responses? No, this is face-to-face over either a smartphone or a tablet or a computer, and it's using a platform called eVisit. And so it allows, it's HIPAA compliant, so everything's confidential. It allows them to log in and wait in a virtual waiting room, and then we start the visit. You have old magazines in the virtual waiting room? <laughs> yeah, I guess they could play old, solitaire. They have old floppy disks, old computers, <laughs> Pong is in the waiting room. I like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then we have a visit just as if they were in the office. And what's cool about the computer is you can send them the handouts that you want to talk about, about maybe how to deal with self-defeating thoughts or um, acceptance-based kind of issues. And it's a a typical 15-minute session? 
typical 50-minute session. And all of our therapists are trained in multiple different kinds of evidence-based treatments, cognitive behavior therapy and dialectical behavior therapy. What is dialectical behavior therapy? It's a therapy specific to deal with um, uh, strong emotions and reactions to things to learn how to accept, step back, and not be as reactive to what happens in our lives. And that's a huge thing that many military families need to cope with. And so um, the idea is this is a pilot program. And so we're looking for 50 military caregivers in the state of Texas. All right. So we're reaching out to those caregivers right now listening to just raise their hand and participate in your study. And we'll tell you how to hook up. And we're going to tell you how to hook up. But I, I wanted to go to something I think both of you um, said, you know, in our the Walmart Charitable Foundation, we, we um, do the stress busting program, which was developed at UT Health originally. Um, and what we found in the original research is that younger caregivers, you know, who are taking care of their children as opposed to spouses, so usually their sons and daughters, um, their stress levels go back up. Uh, they're, or, they're more depressed when they walk in the door and they, their depression and their anxiety creep back up faster than a spousal caregiver. And, and, you know, some of that might be they're a little bit out of sync with everybody else. If you're an older person, you know, and your husband gets dementia, you're not crazy happy about that. But it's, you know, there are other people you know in your cohort group, in your age group, that might be going through the same thing. If you're a military caregiver and we, you leave the military service and you're so separated from other military caregivers... Um, a, you're out of sync with your cohort group because most people you know are not going to be doing that caregiving. And two, you're also sort of physically separated, which makes telehealth make perfect sense. Absolutely. And one of the other things that I like to um, bring back people and think about is that when you're caring for an older um, person or loved one, more likely you're going to be caring for a decade or so. When you have these military caregivers, the expectation is that you're going to be a caregiver for the next three, four decades. So that's 30, a very long... Years. Yes. Yeah, I never knew a decade years. of caregiving could sound good. No. You know? How about 40 years of <laughs> 40, caregiving? 40. 40 years of caregiving. And, and, and you think about, you know, A, dreams in life and your goals, and, and, and then you think about the financial toll that you just lost with that person who might have been a... a a breadwinner might have been a contributor, um, and then you and then add on the extra costs to provide all this care because we don't have long-term services and supports in this country. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, talking about caregiving in the military and for those who are either retired, no longer in the military, or disabled in some way, may still be in some cases on active duty. Don Veligan, Dr. Veligan, Professor of Psychiatry, directs the Military Caregiving Telehealth Initiative. And Roxana Delgado, Dr. Delgado, is an assistant professor in hospital medicine at UT Health, also affiliated with the Military Health Institute of UT Health. And Don, some of these folks could still be on active duty and have caregivers. Roxana? Absolutely. Um, we have every day um, service members returning, you being medically evacuated um, here. For Many coming to San Antonio with uh, uh, injuries from uh, bombs and what have you. Yes, San Antonio is one of the hubs. And um, one of the things that is so interesting about this uh, program in UT Health San Antonio is that um, if we are able, we just think about the beauty that if we are able to equip these caregivers with techniques and, and ways to approach their different levels of mental health or behavioral health, imagine everything that they can do in the future. So we're That's very proud of it. Well, and, and, you know, depression is one of those things that uh, you, can see the, you can see the symptoms of depression. But, you know, there's still bias in, in our society. We, we talked about this at the Dementia Summit. You know, it, depression and behavioral health issues, A, dealing with them, the, the person that's injured, and B, your own depression and, and anxiety is you may not be getting a lot of sympathy from the people who know and love you. You actually get isolated when you when you behave that way. Yeah, they want you to buck up. Mm -hmm. And if you're on active duty in the military, you do not want any kind of mental health issue in your record. It's a killer. I hate to say that, but it is. So uh, how do they deal with that issue? So it's strictly uh, confidential. So we are not sharing any information with the military or the Veterans Affairs. 
Um, everything stays at the UT Health San Antonio, the Department of Psychiatry with Dr. Veligan and her team. Not even myself have access to any of that information, so very confidential. And one of the most important things people need to understand is depression and anxiety are perfectly normal reactions yes. to the situation that they're in. And, and part of the treatment is just getting them to tell their stories. Many of these people um, go to treatments every day for the person who's injured or ill, and no one ever checks in and finds out how are, they're doing. How are you doing? How Absolutely. You doing? Absolutely. And so this is really for them. It's not about just their caregiving role. It's about them as a person and how we can help them. So can a person... Without any, you know, if you're, if you're clinically depressed, if you're a caregiver and you're clinically depressed, can you snap yourself out of that depression by yourself with no intervention, just one day magically wake up? Quite, quite difficult to do. Um, most people rely on the caregiver community to help them. They rely on family to help them. But sometimes having a professional to talk to who's not involved in the situation can be extremely helpful. And someone who can teach you skills and techniques to deal with the very difficult situation that you find yourself in. If you're a young person and you're looking forward to years and years of caretaking and this was kind of something that um, you didn't expect, it's very hard to deal with. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. I want to talk, too, about where we began with this. Roxana talked about the... Uh, rather frightening statistic of uh, suicidal ideation and uh, how we're dealing with that. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernio. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. For caregivers and healthcare professionals, the 2017 WellMed Charitable Foundation Caregiver Summit is for you at the Whitley Theological Center on Oblate, November 9th, 833. Featured speakers include AARP columnist and psychologist Barry Jacobs on helping seriously ill loved ones and caregivers. Dr. Nicholas Musi, Farshop Institute, gives us the latest on research on Alzheimer's and aging, and Cynthia Hazel talks about mindfulness. Attendance is free, but registration required at caregiversos.org, social worker CEUs, and nursing CNEs available. Wow, that's... reminded us of the old FedEx spot where the guy talks really, really fast. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, talking about the Caregiver Summit on November 9th. Anything you want to add to uh, that little 30-second teaser we just had? Well, yeah, it is It is free. There are CEUs if you are a professional, um, and it's perfect for military caregivers, family caregivers, and professional caregivers. Uh, Barry Jacobs is very well known for uh, helping to tease out, speaking of teasing, you know, that appreciation. What are the things, what are the positive aspects of caregiving? And we focus so often on the things that are difficult that if you want to f- go away feeling better about your caregiving and the person that you're caring for, um, I think this is a great place to come to find that. And it's uh, located on uh, Oblate at, uh, the, at the Whitley Theological Center, uh, and it's a lovely venue. Just being in the building with other caregivers, we were talking about isolation. Uh, it's really a chance to connect with other people and do something good for yourself. Free lunch. And free lunch. And, and free lunch. the hits go on and on. And free lunch. And flu shots. And free flu shot. I get my flu shot every year at this event. Cool. Well, there you are. There you go. Coming up November 9th. Uh, it all kicks off about 8 a.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel on 9.30 a.m. The Answer on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking with a couple of experts on caregiving in the military. Don Villigan, uh, Dr. Villigan is Professor of Psychiatry and Director of the Military Caregiver Telehealth Initiative. And Roxana Delgado, uh, Dr. Delgado is an Assistant Professor in the Hospital Medicine Program and also affiliated with Military Health Institute at UT Health San Antonio. And you started off uh, when we began talking, Roxana, about a huge number of caregivers, uh, of military personnel, both active duty, retired, what have you, uh, who are uh, suicidal, 24%. Amazing number. Uh, How do you interact and how do you save lives? So this is exactly how we save lives. Um, Dr. Veligan stepped up um, to be the director of, I would say, um, the only standing program um, of telehealth in the nation right now. And we know it's only available to Texas caregivers, but we're looking at seeing how this impacts our lives um, uh, in the state. And then we're looking forward to 
um, make it a national. And this is how you combine different professionals. Um, Dr. Veligan, she didn't have to do this, but she chose to do it because she cared about our military caregivers. UT Health San Antonio didn't have to step up to the plate and do this, but they decided to do it. This is how you change the lives of military caregivers. And this is actually how you honor their commitment and their sacrifices. So, Don, big number. How do you save lives? Well, I think, um, you know, we really want to help people understand that, like I think you pointed out, Carol, there's more to caregiving than the negative side. And I think when people realize the things they're grateful for, just regular people can go through the entire day and have it be where the only thing they notice is the one thing that went wrong and thousands upon thousands of things go right every day. And when we're looking with the wrong lens, that's all we're going to see is that one thing that went wrong. So being grateful, um, learning acceptance-based techniques can really help people to pull them away from from escaping and, and figuring out how to cope with what's in front of them. Well, and for, for anybody that might be thinking they, you know, would like to get some help with some of this caregiving if they're a military caregiver, you know, the great thing about working with someone like you um, is that, you know, you're someone in their corner. You know, and, you know, I have my a therapist, and my the therapist is always, you know, they're going to tell me the truth, that they're going to be in my corner. They're there to help me and be on my side. And so many times as caregivers, we have family members and friends who are giving us all kinds of advice about what we should and shouldn't do. Um, but someone like you and having a, a therapist working with them uh, is a way for them to decide what's best and work through all of that and kind of quiet quiet all of those other voices that are coming at them. Now, with Veterans Day coming up, this is a good time to be talking about this issue. As you look for 50 caregivers to get into the program, uh, how do they apply? And what kind of training do your therapists need to do uh, interactive counseling uh, over a video link? Okay. So, first of all, if people want to be in the program, they can call Cynthia Sierra at 210-562-562. Five two one five. Get to do the number twice on radio. Two one zero five six two five two one five. There's also an email, Sierra with two R's, C at UTHSCSA dot edu. And Google it, you may find it that way as well. Probably. <laughs> and then, what about therapists who are in your program? Do you need therapists uh, who, who can qualify to? Uh, to provide counseling, or, or you you have enough? No, what's a wonderful thing is we've gotten so many calls from people who wanted to be therapists in our program. We have plenty of those, um, and they're well-trained. They've all been through multiple trainings and evidence-based practices. They've worked with individuals who are depressed, suicidal, anxious, and have, you know, even serious mental illnesses for many, many years. And so these are really people who've um, got a lot of experience. And when we move this out, if, if, um, if we find that we're helpful and we're able to get funding to move this out nationally, then we would need therapists in many different states to participate in both training and then in providing the care. Um, and I wanted to point out that this program is funded by USAA. Um, they've been very generous to the military community, and I wanted to make sure I get that in sure. because without them, this program would not exist. And, Carol, they're using the lowest form of technology that you use in the caregiver teleconnection program. That's right. You know, just a, a simple voice and a, and a phone connection line, um, even, you know, if you get the video. But the, the technology uh, is such a boost to reach people who would otherwise not be able to access. You can be in Podunksville, Texas which we've all heard of. Um, We have lots of people from there in our program already. And you can sign up and be in this program, which is pretty special. So you're looking for 50 caregivers. And what are are the parameters? What are you looking for in those caregivers? Caregivers don't need to have an official designation as a caregiver um, from the government. They just need to be caring for someone who was ill, wounded, um, or injured. A has veteran, to have a military connection, veteran. A veteran, yes. Right. So does it have to be in a theater of war, as they say, in the Veterans Administration? You have Roxana. to have actually been overseas in a theater of war? No, actually, sometimes you may find that some of these veterans get sick after war. So um, they don't have to be wounded in war, but any, any veteran that has been wounded and have someone assisting them. 
what is so interesting also about this program is that it, it, it doesn't depend on your role. So you could be a spouse, a parent, or a friend that has been designated by the veteran as a caregiver. And the other very interesting thing about this program is that the therapists themselves were trained in cultural competency in how to really approach these military caregivers and how to work with military families. Yeah, what does cultural competency mean? So basically they know a little bit more about what this community looks like and what are the mo- more likely what they're going to be facing and encountering. One of those things will be trust. How do you build trust with military caregivers? And how do you make them feel welcome into the program? And that's a special hurdle? It's usually a special hurdle um, given some of the stigma that is out there. They feel that because, and and you mentioned it, Ron, when you said when when you look for um, or when you seek help, um, you get in trouble in the military or you feel that, you know, there's a huge stigma for um, health-seeking behavior. So in this case, it doesn't matter if you receive care from um, this wonderful program, but um, nobody, you know, nobody's going to be doing anything against you and you won't lose any of your benefits. Right. And we don't want stigma. We don't want the fear of stigma to prevent anyone from getting help uh, because that's how you fight stigma is go out there, get the help that you need, get the help for yourself and the help for your loved one, um, and, and don't let that stigma stand in your way. The best, re- you know, best revenge is living well. And therapy can be fun. I'm just saying. It can be. <laughs> We've been having a great time all afternoon. And so what, a, what attracted you to the program? Well, because Roxana said you could have done anything else. Sure, but really, this was Roxana's brainchild, and um, she came to us because we have the therapists who are trained and said, you know, are you willing to do this? I've always wanted to do things for military veterans here in San Antonio. We're Military City USA, and it's so important. My father was in, in the Navy. He was stationed at Pearl Harbor when it was attacked. And um, I'm still here. I was going to say, I think he made it, right? Yeah, he did. So that's pretty (laughs) miraculous. And and so I've always had a special connection with the military. And we're so grateful to be giving back. And that's why we've gotten calls from therapists from all around the, the state asking if they can help, too. I think it's fascinating that Texas has this program. And for those of you listening in Texas, you know, we don't, we can't do telemedicine uh, in terms of some of the physician visits, but the telehealth, there have been several pilots related to behavioral health and having a psychologist or a psychiatrist. um, And these programs have been successful. I have no doubt you're going to be successful uh, in in Texas leading the way. That's a, that's a step in the right direction. What are your measures of success? People don't commit suicide would be one. Well, yes. How do you know? Um, We are doing. You you know, if they did it. Right. We're doing baseline assessments of things like anxiety and depression and physical health to see whether people get better um, after having been uh, participated in the treatment. So you're looking for those kinds of measures? Yes. Yes. But you don't have to be feeling suicidal to sign up. Oh, no. That's a good point. Although 24%, maybe you're not looking just for people who are are feeling feeling suicidal. suicidal. No, there are some people for many reasons, including religious reasons, that would never consider it, but they're just overwhelmed by incredible emotion. Some people are angry. Some people are sad. And, and we can help with that. So they be grieving, too. And grieving in advance. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, they're grieving in advance. So when people, I suppose that first session is kind of tough, where they kind of unpack everything that's been bottled up inside it's kind of tough because a lot of times they haven't had anybody to listen to them. And so there's actually the, the beginning of treatment, the beginning sessions is all about letting them tell their story. And sometimes they just need to get it all out, all at once, before we do any real intervention. And then we can start to unpack and kind of say, hey, um, this is something that we might be able to do something about. Here's a way we can address that. And we, we kind of work with them so that they can slowly move in a direction where they feel better about their lives and they're happier and they're getting more out of it. Now let's tell folks again how they can sign up. Where, where do they go and who do they talk to? And you're looking, this is the first 50. Call now. Yes. Um, Cynthia Sierra, uh, 210-562-5215. That's 210 562 5215. They just need to call and we'll get some information and we'll get them signed up. And there's no charge. It's absolutely free. It's being uh, paid for by uh, a grant from USAA. That's cool. That's like 80 to 120 bucks an hour that they're getting. 
Oh, more than that. Yeah, you're low. Dollars you're low, Ron. You're, you're, you're low. I was using a discount. <laughs> You've been out of therapy for a long time, Ron. It was Ron. the Walmart approach. Yeah, really. It Maybe was time to go back. Walmart therapy. <laughs> now, uh, before we say goodbye, Roxana, what haven't we covered you want to toss in here? No, I think we cover everything. We're very grateful that you had us here and very grateful that we're able to share this with the um, military caregivers in Texas. Well, well, you'll have to come back again. So this is, you know, here we have, we have another sequel to this. Ongoing story. Yeah, you can come back a third time and tell us how it's going. Anything you want to add, Dawn, before we say bye-bye? I don't think so. I just uh, feel very privileged to be able to work with this population, and I, I hope you guys out there will call and be in our project. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you being in. In the studio with us, Don Veligan, uh, Dr. Veligan, Professor of Psychiatry, Director of the Military Caregiving Telehealth Initiative at UT Health San Antonio, and Roxana Delgado. Dr. Delgado with the, uh, is Assistant Professor of Hospital Medicine and affiliated with the Military Health Institute at UT Health San Antonio. That's pretty cool. Up next, Take 10, Dr. Jamie Heisman joins Carol Zerniel and me, I'm Ron Aaron, right here on 930 AM, The Answer on Caregiver SOS On Air. For caregivers and healthcare professionals, the 2017 WellMed Charitable Foundation Caregiver Summit is for you at the Whitley Theological Center on Oblate, November 9th, 833. Featured speakers include AARP columnist and psychologist Barry Jacobs on helping seriously ill loved ones and caregivers. Dr. Nicholas Musi, Farshop Institute, gives us the latest on research on Alzheimer's and aging. And Cynthia Hazel talks about mindfulness. Attendance is free, but registration required at caregiversos.org, social worker CEUs, and nursing CNEs available. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Well, we love this portion of Caregiver SOS on air when we bring you Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, and we welcome in Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist, man who is an expert on caregiving and dealing with addictions. He joins us on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. And Carol, the the question comes up in the wake of the tragedy in Florida uh, where uh, seniors literally died in nursing homes for lack of evacuation and and appropriate care. Uh, how do you know that won't happen to your loved one if you've put them in a home? Well, first of all, I just want to say that if you did not see the picture of the people in the assisted living facility. Sitting in waist-deep water. Sitting in waist-deep water. Awful. Um, waiting to be evacuated um, during the hurricane. Uh, that that was not necessarily... The, the people that died were actually died from heat um, in, a, in a different nursing right. home. But the kinds of things that go on in disasters, you know, some often our elderly in assisted living and nursing homes are invisible to the rest of the world. Uh, and this just brought them in focus front and center. And we went, how did this happen? So my question to you, Jamie is, you know, um, you, you've worked in this industry in a long time. When you think about putting your loved one in a safe place uh, in a residential care, you know, what, is there any way we can uh, avoid these types of facilities and disasters? Do your homework. This is the most important thing as a family, not just as a family member, but as an entire family. Do the due diligence that's necessary to, to really understand the, the residential facility that your loved one is going to be placed in. Don't make a, a very quick, precipitous decision just basically upon discharge of a hospital to the best uh, brochure, if you will, or best Internet site that you see. 
Make sure that your entire family, our brothers and sisters and anybody of significance in the person's life, has literally gone to that particular facility, has interviewed, if you will, the staff, the clinical director, um, other, if they allow you to, other uh, people who live there, um, and their caregivers. So make sure that you very much, you know, handle this to-do list and, and, and do it as a team. Never let one person go because it's an entire setup for that poor primary caregiver. What should you look for? Well, you should look at signs of complaints of, of poor care and neglect and abuse, if you will. I mean, unfortunately, this does happen in this industry. And um, there are great players out there and very, very good residential facilities and caring uh, places that, you know, I, I won't start mentioning names because it'll leave out other groups, but there there are some very good groups out there, if you will. And then there's some incredible bad actors, if you will, where it's not hard to get a skilled nursing license. It's also a very challenging place to make money, if you will, because of Medicaid and Medicare reimbursements and people cut corners and so this is why it's so critical and so important to be able to get all the homework done long before your loved one if you will has been placed in the hospital don't you think carol well i you know i agree with you and i think the problem is is that many people are discharged what as you mentioned jamie from a hospital and we feel like we have to hurry up and pick out a nursing home because mom's getting discharged tomorrow and we can't bring her home and we can't bring her home we know we can't bring her home you can ask the hospital for more time obviously if your loved one isn't in a hospital yet or right now and you have the time i mean the it's hard enough to pick a facility when you do go see it in person you know because you want to walk in the door and if you don't smell if you don't like the way it smells uh, it doesn't smell good and pooey. Um, that's a bad sign. If it smells too clean, what are they covering up? Why does your nose burning like Clorox? You know, um, that's not a happy thing either. And you have to wonder about that. Yeah, you know, it'd be great if you had time to have a meal there. Uh, because if the meals are terrible, you know, my 96 year old great aunt is moving facilities because she hates the food um, at the facility. And, and you, people become malnourished if they really hate the food. This is in real life. She's moving. She's moving, because yes, she, because of bad food. Because she's mentally totally intact. So she knows what she's doing. Yes, and she's voting with her feet. Yeah. You know, Carol, you bring up a great point. I, I think this is something that probably our listeners and too few people out there know. Don't be – I'm a hospital, former hospital administrator of psychiatric hospital or psychiatric units, if you will, in medical hospitals. Don't be forced to do something very fast because the hospital is saying it's time for discharge. You know, make sure that you're not bullied, if you will, to making that quick decision just to put yourself in a skilled facility. I think that's a great point that you brought up. Well, it, you know, it's just so important, like you said, to take a look at it, take a team, hang out, you know, look at people. You know, if you're looking at care, um, look at people's hair and their nails uh, their skin, are they clean, are their clothes rumpled? You know, those are things that don't go in the chart. You know, those aren't right. the quality good, checks that you're going to find written down anywhere. I totally agree. And a good nursing home, too, is going to have a, a full calendar of activities to keep residents active and engaged. Because you don't know how, you know, bored to death or how detached a place can be and, and how, you know, if, if there's a dearth of, of activities going on. And so it's so critical. I think that's the most important thing, that you have a strong social program and one that really encourages people to connect. Uh, or, you know, or we're back to the other show that we once did, um, I think it was last last time, if you will, on, on robotic caregivers. I mean, general boredom is something that we have to look at immediately in doing due diligence at a residential facility. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, Dr. Jamie Heisman with us on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline talking about what to look for in a nursing facility, in a long-term care facility, to avoid the kind of problems that may pop up. Now, you can't always predict a hurricane. Well, well you, can't, you can't ask for the emergency plan to see if they have a plan. Aren't um, they required to have a plan? Well, they are required to have a plan. It doesn't mean, you know, that they necessarily follow it. But, like, Jamie, you live in Florida, uh, and the issue yeah. there was with generators um, and that yeah. the generators were too big. Uh, to be to run off the amount of electricity available. 
Exactly. And also, I'd like to recommend to everybody to look at the star ratings, because the one that here in my area, where obviously everybody read about and saw, and without me getting too deep into the weeds on this one, had a lower star rating. Than yeah, it had two out of five. So, yeah, two out of exactly. five. And what is the star rating? Based upon quality, obviously, again, outcomes, uh, satisfaction, patient satisfaction, just like it is for Medicare uh, Advantage programs or any health care uh, program that Medicare oversees. Star ratings, if you will, will at least point us in the right direction. This place had, like you said, Carol, two stars out of five. And that should say almost anything to the general public, but it was still filled up. So if you don't know where to find those stars, you can go to the federal website, which is Nursing Home Compare. So just Google Nursing Home Compare. Know that there are problems with that website. For example, the staffing levels are input by the nursing homes. And just because they write down how many staff they have doesn't mean that's how many staff they have. So you mean that's the fox? The fox is watching the hen house. Yeah, and and the data can be old. It can be a year or older uh, before you actually see that. Uh, you can also go to your local state. You can Google your state um, Department of Health and Human Services for your state ratings. But there's another website that's run by ProPublica, which is the nonprofit investigative journalism group, um, and theirs is called Nursing Home Inspect which um, lets you dig a little bit deeper into some of the citations and inspection reports. So check both. Check Nursing Home Compare and check Nursing Home Inspect and check out those ratings and complaints. Got about a minute and a half in Take 10, Dr. Jamie. What about the question of when to visit? If, if the nursing home says, oh, we don't allow visitors at such and such a time, to me that's a warning I, signal. I so agree with you. That, that means that means you can just drop in any time you want. Right. And not only that, bringing up, bringing up time, which I brought up before, but I think it's such a critical point. Don't wait until your loved one's in a hospital. I mean, a, a caregiver or a, loved, or a family member pretty much knows maybe if it's going to be time for assisted living or skilled nursing or, or mom or dad is falling or doing something. Go look long before. Do this homework before somebody is at the discharge stage at the hospital so you and your whole family have time to get involved and engaged and you feel more comfortable, uh, God forbid, if some event occurs. 30 right. seconds, last word from Carol. Well, the last thing is to know that Medicare only pays for X number of days of stay regard after a hospital discharge. If you go from home straight into a nursing home, there's no financial support for that, and their assisted living is all private pay. And expensive. And expensive. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Jamie. Carol Zerniel, Take 10, comes to you at the end of every one of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs. You hear us at 930 a.m. The Answer. For Carol Zerniel and Dr. Jamie Heisman, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you soon. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS on air on 930 a.m. The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.